Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Hello, welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. And I have an ego, and I have to put my name in the uh, title. I could have named it something else, like Spanky Fun Times, or Hey, look at this guy I'm talking to, but I have to put my name in there because I need people to acknowledge my presence in the world. I'm a fragile human being, frightened of death and most other things. I need to believe that my presence will live on beyond. The physical being when I pass into the next realm, so I create these little chat things with people who are more famous than me and more interesting, and hopes that people uh, follow it and listen to it and say that Matt Dwyer, you'll live on forever in the iTunes and the what have you nots and our iPods and our not our hearts. Matt Dwyer's not that likable to keep in our hearts, but we'll listen to him talk to people who are a lot more fascinating. Uh, today I'm talk uh, talking talk 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 talking tung, 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 with uh, David Bazan. You might know him from such bands as uh, Pedro the Lion, The Headphones, many uh, solo albums. There, it's a really fucking great episode. We really cover a wide array of topics: drinking, God, uh, drinking, writing, creativity, questioning God, pooping your pants. It's uh, it's a Pretty amazing episode. And uh, before we get into it, though, I did, I did mention Les Blanks is my theme song there. So go to lesblanks.com, check them out. Also, it is September 19th, 2012, when this episode airs. If you are in the Los Angeles area and it's still the 19th, why don't you uh, spend your evening at uh, going to uh, Love of uh, Pete, which is a benefit Danielle Burnaby and I are putting together at the Laugh Factory for Pete O'Neill, who was uh, one of our earlier episodes. Um, you can buy tickets at loveofpete.brownpapertickets.com. It's at the Laugh Factory tonight, 8 o'clock. Drew Carey, Matt Bronger, Brendan Walsh, Rob Delaney, Hugh Moore, Ron Funches, Sean Patton, myself. Sorry, I tried to book some women. They all were too busy. I don't want you to think I'm a sexist fuck. I tried to book women. I love women. I love women so much that uh, I gave a rib. I gave a rib, and we created women. Men created women. Don't ever forget that, ladies, that when you say, oh, hey, my body, it's my body, I don't tell me what to do with my body. 
We gave a rib so your body could exist, so it's our bodies too, so stop getting so goddamn uppity, because uh, I gave a rib, okay? I could have gave that rib to my dog to chew on. Charlie likes to chew on bones with some meat on them, and I've been drinking a lot of beer lately, so there's there's some extra meat on my ribs. Ah, <laughs> uh, I kid. I love women. I love you ladies. I love all of you. I love that you menstruate. I love that you have cycles, that you and the moon are so in line with one another. Coming around monthly, showing us your splendor, saying, hey, I create life. I am a cycle in tune with the universe. Men, we're not in tune with much except coming in our gym socks and, well, we're disgusting human beings. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for creating, men. Thank you for letting us plop out of your vaginas and get drunk and try to get right back in them. I want to thank you, ladies, for that. Thank you for all the splendor. Thanks for your boobies for feeding us and for letting us slap on them and poke at them and pinch at them and masturbate on them. Ladies, you're wonderful. Without you, well, the world would be a lot worse. Hey, thanks, ladies. Um, I'm going to get into the episode here, David Bazan. It's a really fucking good one. I think you're going to fucking like it. So I'm sitting in my great studio Glendale apartment (laughs) (laughs) with uh, David Bazan. Do you get insulted when people call you Dave? Because that's a kind of a you, no, either. Or, do you go by? Because I know some people get real. This real hard hitting stuff right off the top right. here. <laughs> no, I, it doesn't matter to me. I feel like that the name thing is a little arbitrary, anyways. I, you know, it's just so I'm I'm not too uptight. Okay. <laughs> about it. No, uh, the guys in the band call me Basin, which is just a mispronunciation, and that's fine with me. Too. They do that intentionally to fuck with you. Yeah. Fucking pricks. <laughs> And I guess uh, for those people who don't know, uh, you're, do you call yourself a singer-songwriter, or does that seem highfalutin? Well, I know, call you that all the time, a, for the record. It, it is technically accurate, um, but it evokes um, a kind of uh, music that I don't want to make. But as it turns out, it is the kind of music that I make, too. <laughs> so it's maybe a little self-loathing, but I pref- I have avoided the singer-songwriter title, but it is what I am. Yeah, you always think of uh, a guy at a piano. You think Billy Joel sometimes, which is bit. never a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you like Billy Joel? I like when uh, Horatio Sands sings <laughs> Billy Joel <laughs> at karaoke. That's oh. about as far as I go. Yeah, he he. Always, I fucking hate karaoke so much. <laughs> and he's and he would even just be like, "Oh no, come with." And it's like, why would I want to go listen to people <laughs> execute songs poorly? Yeah. It's the I, it's the most perplexing. I don't get it. And it's usually assholes. Yeah. He will do something interesting, but it's like, I'm not going to trudge through six hours of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> or, it is. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, but uh, you know, just like folk, like uh, coffee house. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sad. Tori Amos. Yeah. Like all. And I'm going to keep saying names and hopefully I, I just want to shit talk somebody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either Billy Joel or Tori Amos. You have to. They dig, hang out a lot. I hear deeper. Do you? Uh, uh, and you. This is the thing I'm. I'm interested in. Is you're doing what is it? Uh, do you call it living room shows? That's the the like the official term. And but it's just house shows. We 
my manager wanted to name it something a little different so that the people hosting and coming wouldn't think like, oh, this is a party. Because like you're playing a fret boy. Place. Yeah, because the the success of the of it long term depends on hosts feeling comfortable opening their house up to 40 strangers. And they're not necessarily people who just like have 40 strangers in their house all the time, you know. So oh, the, so it's not like it is strangers come into their house. Yeah. And that's really does it has anybody ever had shit stolen? <laughs> no, I mean, it's like an interesting because it's a very. I don't mean to sound like a kook, but it's like almost a spiritual trusting sort of like, yeah, man. It's really trusting. I mean, you know, I do, you know, there's a, a box with records and CDs in it, and there's just an open little section with money in it that people make change out of. And, I, you know, they just, we just trust that, I don't know. It's never, I've done almost 350 of these house shows since That's 2009, mean. and there's been no... I mean, maybe somebody spilled a beer on the rug like twice or something. And people That's are pretty, really cool. Uh, pretty tame. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, and people will sit and drink themselves into like a sad state, but then they just kind of get up and kind of waddle out and say thank you. And That's really – it's uh, and it also puts you in a closer – like a – Yeah. Which sometimes – I mean, I don't know what your fan base is. Mm-hmm. I know some of people that like what I do are frightening. (laughs) Well, one dynamic that I've realized is that in rock clubs or in comedy clubs or in, in, in those public drinking spaces, people are a lot less cool and civilized or they just have their boundaries or they're, they're expected to act poorly in some cases. And so they just do. And in people's houses, like people are just the most normal least weird that i've ever i guess there is a weird sort of you you're more you're a guest somewhere you can't really yeah it's not like the place that you've been kicked out of six times and they somehow let you back in like it's and you you have like a very solid like you have like a very solid fan base don't you like i i feel like um the people that that like the music are pretty it's not it doesn't seem to be casual like they're like hardcore yeah the people are just like you know they they come to like every you know or they they just over the years like stick with the thing and it's not like oh i know that a little bit or whatever like so that's um i don't even know how to feel about that but i guess i'm honored and it's and it's good it is pretty uh do you ever find because i did not with me because but like with other people i know creatively like if they step sort of out of character so to speak Mm -hmm. or what people perceive as their image Mm -hmm. they get weirded out by it mm-hmm. and you've made some changes mm-hmm. has people how like was like say the headphones which personally mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things you've ever done thanks so much <laughs> but like that was a definite step outside was it not it was and it took people a really long time i mean now the headphones record is apparently as popular with people at any of these shows as any record that i've ever made but you know the record that i made before headphones under the band name Pedro the Lion sold like 40,000 records and the headphones record sold 2,400 records or something. I mean, it's just like a fraction of the amount. So initially people just didn't pay attention or get it or anything like that. But now 
seven years later, like people have really grown to rate that record with the, so people are slow to, to latch on to something new, but it seems like the people have come around to it. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what it, what it, it cause it's like, if you keep doing the same thing, people get bored with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but then, and they want you to do something different, but then when you do, yeah, yeah. they're really fucked up about it. Well, and that's a classic thing. And I just feel like you just can't worry about it. You just got to do what you want. It's like when Bono put those horns on. That's right. (laughs) People just like, whoa. (laughs) Fucking horns and sunglasses. What is this? (laughs) Uh, Are there certain things, because there's certain things I want to ask you about or talk about? Nothing is off limits. Uh, Dick size. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not going to win a contest. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but like... Are there certain things that you're like, oh, fuck, this again? No. Uh-uh. Not at all? No, because anything that's in that category, namely, like, religion, like, I kind of started it. Like, I'm the one that started, like, I can't help but write about it in some way or another. And so, any, basically, I just... Right. It, every now and again, I'll be in a conversation with somebody who just wants to bait me, and, like, they're... And that's not helpful and so that gets weird but if any any time that now that's any time that it's just like a conversation it's right because like but i mean like religion i mean you the your a lot of your early stuff was specifically christian oriented oddly so was you too's a lot of it i mean they yeah. even quoted verse and whatnot yeah not that you didn't but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i'm just saying they're they're a little bit more literate than you that's right <laughs> but i mean like but in a weird way that's spiritual Questioning is 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 almost as ancient in songwriting as love and yeah, and it's but it's weird that certain topics freak people out or bother people when it's like, aren't we all just sort of on that quest? Yeah, I mean, I think that the 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 culture that I grew up in, specifically American evangelical Christian culture. You, your father was a minister, he right? He was a music pastor, yeah. Music, oh, me, that's a lot different, isn't it? Yeah, so not like a preaching pastor. Um, he just always led the singing and, and um, did the choir and, and like put together the musicals that they would sing every, you know, Christmas and, and Easter. Did you grow up with a lot of Christian uh, rock? I yeah, know. only until I was uh, 12. I you, was, you know, I was born again for a while. <laughs> Really, I went. I went to Cornerstone. Like, remember Cornerstone? Oh a, yeah, I played there. Oh, I, did you? I played there for from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand four every year. I played this high school. I played. God damn, that thing's gone. So it it th- this summer is its last. Oh its really? Because yeah. that was uh, oh who was the band that put that together? Um, Res band. Res band, which yeah. was short for Resurrection. Yeah. Oddly, I, or maybe not so oddly, but good friends with. Albini and yeah, those there's like a there's a Chicago connection because Japuza Jesus People USA is the the big commune that put on that festival and how how I wonder what that connection was. I think that maybe Albini recorded a couple of bands that lived there, um, and yeah. Albini's uh, partner Heather did a documentary about Cornerstone. I saw that. Yeah, are you smoking and drinking in that documentary? I can't uh, remember. Just drinking. <laughs> I don't know if I was smoking. If I was smoking, it means I was really drunk, and I don't think that. that... <laughs> well, that's another thing. It's like with Christian culture, people are always like, and I drink as a Christian, yeah, mostly because I'm powerless over alcohol, right, right. And I tried to become unpowerless, and then I was like, but this ain't no fun. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, so 
Do you are you do you drink? Yeah. Not drink? I do. Um It's fun, isn't it? It's really fun. <laughs> um and and we just saw uh we just saw the master like oh i'm fucking dying to see it you gotta go because in in this thing about the about alcohol i mean it really is about that in a lot of ways and you i felt like i was drunk the whole time really um just a little bit just like it's it's yeah it's amazing but yeah i i really like drinking um i have uh it's been years now that i do that thing where you know you, you just want to get blacked out all the time and like it's really this this compulsion this romantic compulsion to to do that and uh that was really fun too but it doesn't it doesn't were you saying like sort of creatively there's that connection of like i'm a song guy i gotta I drink i don't think so i think it's just like um everything just felt more meaningful or like and also i wanted to there was a lot of dissonance like mentally like uh, it, uh intellectually and uh it you know the the more drunk i would get the more it would feel like purposeful like yes this is so meaningful but also it would kind of dull dull down the, the tension of it just a little bit too I think this is. I uh, Phil Olverm uh, took a swing at me because my dog barked. Oh yeah. Even though it was over the Through phone. The phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I there's the thing with when uh, I guess we both have um, like with drinking with me is I had so much free time and it became sort of this. Fuck you, like I you know I was I kind of thought it was hilarious that like while everybody else was slaving yeah. away in their cubicles I was throwing down five drinks at lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, but then after doing that for a few years. And uh, actually, I saw a picture of my. I got. I know. I got out of the shower at the Second City 50th anniversary, and I saw myself naked in the mirror, and I was just like, "Oh, this has happened." <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was like, "Oh, I'm incredibly unfuckable." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was like. So I quit for two years, but but then I don't know. I think sometimes you just need perspective, and I yeah. just I kind of was in a bad plight. Yeah. Now I'm in a great place, and I drink a lot. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that the changes that that we can make, only incremental changes will really stick like over the course of a life. And that maybe sounds like uh, an alcoholic's justification or something like that. But I really do think that, I mean, for me, it's been a very long negotiation with and like trying to take seriously my actions and the way that I think and like when... You know, because when you are a drunk, you know, you don't want to be accountable to anybody for, like, the kinds of feelings that you actually have about drinking. Like, oh, I could quit anytime. Like, I, I just want to drink all the time. You know, that's wh how I re really felt. And uh, But getting to a point where once y you calm it down enough to get everybody else off your back to sort of, do you know, be accountable to yourself about, like, you know, like I drank nine beers before one, p you know, PM that today and right before a video interview, you know, and, <laughs> you know, but it's no big deal. Kind of like, no, that's a big deal. Like, and I want to not do that anymore. Yeah, I would. I would. I don't get blurry. Like I get blurry. On, and then it's like on stage, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to say this because I'm the crazy guy. And then it's like I'd say the wrong. I would yeah. be like, oh, too far. Well, that, for me, that was a big thing because I really started to take um, seriously the fact that I wanted to 
own what I was doing when I was playing songs on stage. Absolutely. And so that was the big change where it was like, okay, you can't get fucked up before you play shows anymore. And then me being accountable to myself for that and taking that seriously, sometimes I would still couldn't help myself but drink before I would play. And then I would be really mad at myself. Like, that show sucked. And all you had to do to be good was not drink beforehand. And so that was like a long negotiation of like, you know, just getting better at controlling myself, you know, and, and not getting drunk. And, you know, if I was with, if I was alone, it was fine. But if I was with another dude who was like a drinking buddy and we're just sitting at the bar for three hours before the show, like, Jesus Christ, I want to drink so bad, you know. And so. Yeah, it's hard in that environment because usually like when I get off stage, out of muscle memory, I yeah. beeline for the bar. And, and when I quit drinking, it would, I would stand up and be like, fuck. Did you, I, I would drink, um, there was one tour where I just didn't drink at all, uh, and I just would drink, I would have them set up like, you know, a six pack of near beers, and then some, and I would just sit and do the rhythmic sort of pounding of, but then that's like, it's like drinking brown sugar water, like it's. It's pretty, yeah, it's just, it's not far off calorie wise still, so it's, I'm like. Yeah, I just needed the comfort of. Of doing that, it like took the edge off of. It, yeah, I used to drinking. drink a lot of O'Doul's on the. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's also though, it's weird though because you keep saying things. And I keep it keeps jumping in my head because I had this similar conversation with uh, my friend Duncan Trussell. And he's like, "We're so extremist in our society, like Western, like oh, I gotta quit, I gotta do this." And it's yeah. like instead of so, and that's what I did. I was like, "Oh my god, I just totally got to drink and never drink again." And then you're yeah. like, and then some, or you, we binge drink and yeah. blah, blah, and I'm like. I feel like now I've just found this sort of. I think that's my perspective too. That it just took oh, it's it took a while to actually have what I feel like is a healthy relationship with alcohol. That that occasionally the old thing creeps back in, you know, for a couple of days, or if I'm feeling depressed or something like that. Because like you, I don't, you know, I my days are my own, and I try to be work hard and be creative. But there's a really great bar right around this the corner from my rehearsal space and so if i go there and have lunch you know it's <laughs> sometimes you know it get you know the old the old way creeps back in but even that it's like okay like rain it back in like it'll get a little weird sometimes but just to always try to beat like that moderation thing and i feel like that those incremental changes and taking it actually seriously and really trying uh it's gotten you know a lot better over the years and i really I don't feel powerless against it like I did for a while. Yeah. When I got back to drinking, it, some people were like, I don't know. And yeah. I'm like, well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, See, that's it is that you have to, if you can own that and take it seriously, then some people might doubt, you know, it, you know, it's their own selves that they're doubting. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think even when you quit drinking, people are like, what? Yeah. Because it's, and <laughs> yeah. I recently quit eating meat and people got, and I'm like, what do you fucking care? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I even said that, like I think I said it in one of my podcasts. It's like if I was, if I said, "Hey, I've taken up sucking dicks," yeah. my friends would be more accepting and be like, "Oh, hey, man, we support you." Yeah. But it's like, ah, this is a political. Like I have reasons for it. Yeah. I'm not saying you should do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a friend, support me and, and shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever like dabble, right? Because there's always. I saw some post today on Facebook, and somebody was like, "Drinking right," like, and it's like I can't do that. Drinking right. I can't be like drinking booze and write at all. It, I'd lose focus instantly. 
Yeah. Because I want pussy. Yeah. Well, it does bring out your sort of like <laughs> your lizard and monkey brain. Um, I, uh, I've never really drank and written successfully. Like a lot, sometimes if I drink and go see a movie, there are like a lot of ideas that sort of come to the forefront that feel like really like potent and, and good. And I always think, you know, next time I'm writing a record, like I'm going to, do this regimen of getting fucked up and then going and seeing a movie and just sitting with a notepad and seeing what, but I've never done it. Does that, that's interesting because I want to, because like do, when you write an album or mm-hmm. you're like, I always wonder like if uh, maybe it varies on the artist, but like, is it just, hey, I write a bunch of songs and it's like, oh, I'll shove these together and make an album. Or is it like, I want to do an album and here are the themes. Mm-hmm. Do you predetermine, because, and fuck me mm-hmm. for, no, forget no. for, because uh, I'm da- bad with, titles yeah <laughs> but the branches album Cursor branches yeah which is in my opinion a fucking one of the best albums and i play it for people all the time that's thank you so much yeah, yeah. i mean like that album definitely had a theme through yeah. it and was that just a how did that i'm gonna shut up and ask, let you answer no it, it that that one and the, that one record i didn't want so that one record is about religion and drinking and which is i guess what we've been talking about too um, <laughs> and i didn't want to write a record about th- those things but as each as then i would you know kind of zoom in and actually do the work that's just what it kept on being about and at a certain point and so the whole time i was doing these house show tours too so i was trying out this new material uh live and when i would get to the new songs that were about you know, God and booze, or maybe they're not being a, a God or losing faith and, and drinking. And, um, I just connected with those songs even more than my favorite songs that I had written previously. Um, and so I had to admit to myself, like, this is your subconscious telling you just, this is what the record is going to be about. And so it wasn't predetermined in any way. In fact, I really would have rather written about, I don't know what else, but not that stuff. And, uh, but then once I let go and just said, okay, this is fine, the whole record came out and it was about all of that stuff, every little nook and cranny of it. And uh, then um, it ended up being really cathartic and uh, kind of therapeutic. And a lot of that was sort of you moving away from your Christianity. Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you still moved away? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, to what I don't know. I guess that was the big project is to just be able to be independent of some bigger movement or tribe. Um, tribe, tribe is an, definitely an interesting <laughs> way of putting it. I just because somebody said something about tribalism to me recently, and then I started noticing how people just like to attach to yeah. even like baseball teams. Like some guy got mad at me for wearing a cup shirt, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sorry, you're so emotionally connected. <laughs> I like them, yeah. but I'm not going to get in a fight with you. Yeah. But people, I don't know. But what is there anything you have been seeking out, or are you just sort of like letting it come? Because, you know, my post-Christian, I probably reacted strongly the other way and became yeah. very angry, and and, yeah. and it, what I realized is I wasn't angry towards God. Yeah. But then I did become like an existentialist for yeah. years. But it was like it was a lot of people's actions within Christianity that yeah. was really hard to tolerate, which is really too bad for. Yeah, it's that's 
disconcerting. <laughs> this I got, the way that goes. Yeah. I mean, I got kicked out of a church, and I just remember thinking, like, that's that seems like the Christian way. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me to leave. <laughs> that's intense. Uh, I, I just, I'm curious about consciousness and the nature of why everything's here, I suppose. And so I'm, I feel like I'm trying to collect data about that and make sense of that. But, but also because I was so, um, uh, completely immersed in evangelical Christianity, there's a long process of just like, what was that anyway? Like, what is that? There are some phenomenon that are happening there that I just am curious, like psychologically what's happening. How is I, yeah, I'm, and I do, and I do care what happens in that culture because I love so many people that are still like a part of it. And this, it's such a, you know, an undeniably powerful force in American culture, as well. Mostly to its detriment, I think. But that's why I care what happens. Like I want, you know, whenever I hear little glimpses of like, oh, they're not going to be as hard on gays anymore. Somebody speaks out from within that movement and says, you know, I think that we have the wrong idea about, you know, gay marriage. I think that it should be fine. Or like. I kind of get emotional and think I feel really hopeful because I, I just want that culture to reflect even a little bit the ethics of the Jesus or something. I, it just would feel it's, so much better if they were not so apparently opposed to the, you know, the, the, the beautiful aspects of. It's really interesting that how people have, really moved away from his message but still keep it under his umbrella and yeah. it's like it's really in name only yeah it's really baffling yeah so i in that sense i really care and so i, I can't i i joke that i'm like a non-practicing non-believing evangelical christian because <laughs> i still like i know the language of that culture i understand like all you know when i hear we we're listening to uh terry gross a series of interviews that were all based around religion and so she would talk to you know Richard Dawkins in one and then she would talk to Tim LaHaye who wrote all those um, left behind books and like I I know exactly what tradition Tim LaHaye is coming from and then I can listen to him talk to Gene Robinson the Episcopal you know bishop who's gay and like I like I understand that landscape and, and all of what it means so well and I really care I'm really fascinated by it and so in that sense you know I still think about that stuff and write about it um but personally um it makes way more sense to me that this existence this you know our living and breathing that that's it like that when we're dead when we're dead we're dead and it actually is more way more beautiful and meaningful to me that that's the case and so but again i'm i'm not i've i'm still just trying to understand you know I think yeah <clears throat> i mean <clears throat> jesus <laughs> i mean it, it, we all are and it's like i've been on a path of uh buddhism which yeah. is very kind of no god no soul yeah but then i've been dabbling because it's really hard hurts my brain but like physics physics mm -hmm. and been watching uh some of that carl sagan yeah. cosmo stuff but yeah. some of that shit just like he'll say these yeah, and you're just like, fuck. And, like, he even talks about being how we're all interconnected within the universe. And it's like, which also goes into some, like, 
spiritual aspect. It's really fascinating to me how some of this shit really intermingles. I feel that too. And, I, and trying to figure out what that could be, that's a big part of what I think about. Like, I do really genuinely wonder, could there be some sort of intelligence behind it independent, all independent you know sort of intelligent being that's behind it all and less and less that seems possible to me or probable like it, it does the more that i see the less it makes sense that that could be what it what is but i do have this longing for that to be what is also that make may, maybe makes me biased toward it or to linger wishing that it was a little longer than some other people but the, the interconnectedness of things and like collective consciousness and like these things that just really feel, I mean, I think it just consciousness is such a fucking trip in and of itself. It's like being that it it's, I feel like it's normal for us to try to make those connections. And I don't know if that's just like wishful thinking or if that's just because there is. And then the more that they look into quantum physics and all that stuff, it does seem like, wow, there's some weird energy that is, spiraling around everything and i just don't know what it is but i i'm you know so hungry to to listen and learn and read and yeah it's it's it should drive you mad but it it doesn't yeah <laughs> but I, it's like things like god or i think people like it simple because then it's like oh, oh fucking i don't yeah oof, i don't have to think about that anymore <laughs> well and, you know and i think that it does get back to the tribal thing a little bit that like you you know if you don't know the answer to those questions and you're really reserving judgment for a long period of time about it people get uncomfortable because they want you to say no i'm a part of this tribe because like what you're saying with the eating meat thing like any of that sort of limbo that we might find ourselves in it makes people feel uncomfortable because it points out some dissonance in themselves or and it, it is uncomfortable to especially coming away from christianity where it's so much about like this is what I believe and this is why I believe it and this is the truth and dot 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 to say yeah I don't know and you there's such a such a loss of credibility that comes with that in those circles like in the circles that I grew up in that it's deeply uncomfortable to to maintain that that reserving of judgment for for a long time but I, I just don't think that there's another way that that is that is right um I think our, our questioning of afterlife often is like pure ego of like, but I can't cease right. to exist. I agree. <laughs> it's yeah. like, but it's like, but it's, it's fine if you just, like you were saying, just like fucking be in this and enjoy this. Because yeah. it's like, it either is or isn't and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. And to worry about it, it's like, you know. I think just like with anything, but especially that, worry just makes everything worse. Like, so there's this problem and you're worried about the outcome. Like, if it could go well, worry is going to keep it from going well. Like if there's a if there's a version of this story that could end well, then you're you're forfeiting it by worrying. Like there, because it's just not going to happen. If if you can get over the worry and just do the thing or be who you need to be in the situation and not be obsessed with with worry, then then that's the only way that the outcome could be. It okay. seems life goes easier the less you, because it's like. The more I start thinking about, like, none of this bullshit, like, I'll get, 
I don't make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but like anytime I really start fixating on like, oh, fuck, you got fucking this thing and you got to, yeah. oh, boy. And the more I do that, the more it seems to spiral and yeah. it gets fucking worse. And then I'll like fucking break something. Yeah. like, And it just like. I just like, behave just, more when I'm worried about that stuff. Like when I let that stuff stress me out, a lot of the problems that I have financially come from me making bad choices. But the more that I'm on the wrong side of worry about that stuff, the more bad choices I seem to make. Like I can't get control of my, you know, the, my misbehavior, you know, my bad right. behavior when, when it's that way. And so I feel like, okay, this is just like to just be able to let go and get, yeah, I, I feel that way too. That with, 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 the God thing. Do you ever have panic moments? Because I used to have that where I was like, oh my God, what if I'm wrong? Oh God, you're so wrong. You're going to hell. Yeah. I've had two of those very distinctly and they were both in bed, uh, lying in bed. Uh, you know, my wife next to me and my daughter. Do you only have one? Son. We have two. Two. But yeah. Uh, but it might have been before my son was born. And I, yeah, the, I mean like a, a panic attack kind of like kind of crept up and I thought that very thing like oh what if I'm wrong and then I just started thinking through it and I thought there's no way that the intelligence that is at the center of all of this intense beauty and complexity is going to resort to like a cosmic gun to my head like it just didn't make sense it just logically it yeah it, I just thought and and how it took the form that it took it initially is just like because in Christianity, theoretically, God is so wonderful that you couldn't help but love him. Um, that's sort of, you know, one of the, the ideas of it uh, amongst, you know, many other potentially contradictory notions. But and I just thought I just thought to myself, this is how you get me by scaring me to death in the middle of the night. Fuck you. I'll never love you like that. You can never inspire love in me by being that horrible and then once i got a little distance from that idea it just was like that it's just not real that's just some dude made that up because that's what dudes do <laughs> is there try to you know use fear and i so if there is a being that is intelligent enough to be sort of orchestrating all this stuff which i like i said i have a hard time believing that it, anymore at all but there's no world in which that being is also you know dabbling in like you know sadomasochism you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't make sense bobcat used to say that god was like just he's not the god in the bible he's like a huge hugh beaumont who just is like oh come here fuck forget about it yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah that's god or whatever yeah man i love bobcat oh, great. <laughs> he is a he's a wonderfully at times dark but it's it's he his thing is so honest and and vulnerable and and pure and i love that he had that character and that at a certain point he was just like nope not doing that ever again i saw him actually live right after he dropped it and that was the and i didn't know he had dropped it yeah but he was so fucking like his social commentary was so fucking sharp it was just yeah. like it still is oh yeah he's uh and there is sort of this, it's like he and other guys, like Louis C.K. sort of have it, where there is this sort of, I don't know if it's a collective subconscious, but there is this, and when they say stuff, you're like, yeah, I've been thinking this too, yeah. but I just never formulated it and got it out of my mouth hole. Yeah. 
but yeah, there, you know, with Lu- with Louis C.K. like it, what made me realize what it is about him that is that I find so wonderful is when he's talking about his kids and like before he got divorced, like he said some soup. I mean, he says some really fucked up things about his kids, and I remember thinking like, oh, it just made me feel really uncomfortable, and then I thought people are laughing because they have these same thoughts and he's sort of like like freeing them to admit you know the darkest corners of their little thought world and like that's such a beautiful thing to do it's yeah it's weird how most of us like you think we all have fucking horrible dark thoughts but we're like we're like oh no i made a joke to a friend the other day about a dead guy we knew and he was like too far and i was like i don't think so he's yeah (laughs) well and and that's just it that they don't it i think that by sort of saying it on a stage it takes the power away from the there's like a the secret you know in christian language like the secret sin has the most power but if you just sort of let the daylight in on it then it's just like oh it's just a joke about having sex with a dead guy which (laughs) i've only beat off two twice and so what's the big deal about that you know it's i think just letting the light in and that's you know you're saying about the uh the the was it the black panther thing with the the legend or whatever like any amount of uh mythologizing about people or like um creating little mini institutions that grow into big things that you can't tell the truth about it just it it goes against justice happening in any regular way in the world that just being as honest as you can and bearing witness to that whatever the reality is at any given time even if it makes you look like an asshole or makes an institution seem like it doesn't work anymore like it's just that's just always the best way it's weird like when because you're saying that and i'm thinking like politicians and stuff wouldn't it be just fucking refreshing if one of them just was like yeah i was i was really wrong but they never they don't they, ever they, they never do it they can't and it's like it becomes harder and harder to identify with these individuals because it's like you're just becoming less and less human yeah. and it's yeah. like we want to de- like I, I agree we were talking about the difference between even like a Rachel Maddow like on the in the news it, oh, there's a there's this uh, podcast that I listened to called on the media which is like an NPR show and they did this whole segment about is NPR like liberal does NPR have a liberal bias? And it was just like Ira Glass and these two people sitting and talking about this thing. And it was so amazing to hear people put shine a light on their own institution and really try to get to the bottom of a thing. And that, you know, your Rush Limbaugh's and these guys, like, they've never admitted that they're wrong about anything. And that is just it's evidence of how disingenuine it is that anybody who's genuinely doing a thing and really trying to get it right is going to fuck up. We all fuck up. And at some point, you just have to say, look, I made a mistake. Like, that's just what happens. Would that be... And it's like, it's like do these guys think the world's going to collapse if they admit that they're human? I don't know what their motivation is. I, I really don't know. It's such a... It's also... I, always, I guess I say this a lot, but it's a very Western, like this whole, like... Even and I don't wanted to go back to Christianity, but it's, or just like Sorry. religious of just like oh we got to be like this perfect guy. And it's like wouldn't it be better if we just said hey we're gonna fuck up and 
yeah. probably going to jerk off in a changing room at a gap. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and like, it's totally fine. But we, any sort of like weird or su- supposedly weird thing that we have, we're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. And it's like, come, let's just fucking all admit we're a little weird. Yeah. Well, and then you won't get, you know, the, then you won't get people in power, you know, having sex with little kids and stuff as much, you know, which is what we all want to, 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 not to have sex with little kids, but to, <laughs> to have people in power stop having sex I'm gonna with I'm going to edit that <laughs> out, and I'm just going to make you look like a horrible human being. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah, I mean, I just, that kind of, that kind of transparency, I think just, yeah, well, whatever, I think that it, it has a positive effect on culture and being accountable to people that you love, but it just, for me, it just makes me feel, you know, better it just makes it makes me misbehave less in you know and i want to do that i want to i'd like to be a good dude you know you are a good dude. well may, maybe I, in time, that, that my one of my favorite records is this uh uh gillian welsh record called time the revelator and just the idea that like time is the revelator like it the only time will tell whether i'm making the right choices or, or i'm not or if i'm a good dude or if i'm not and so to be like, it's just that much more incentive to try to be steadfast about, you know, about just trying to do shit that that's right. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Is this like, it is a lot, cause it's a lot easier to be like a, com- or it's a lot harder to be compassionate and tolerant of others. Mm-hmm. And even as our friends, like the thing where people are like, you're doing what? And it's like, just fucking, let's just accept. And then, yeah. then we'll all feel better. It's like, it's very strange that we're so reactionary yeah. in our culture. Yeah. Well, the, and when you were talking about the Christian thing, you know, as growing up Christian, like I can see it's just Darwin. Like that's why everybody's so uptight and why everybody has to be right. Because it's like science came in and said, oh, you guys thought you were right. This is what's actually right. The facts of this are right. And it destabilized everybody so much that we're still feeling the tremors of that and people's attitudes and and, you know, I think that the political climate is another one where it's like so polarized that everybody just, they, you know, and I feel this way too. Like I want to make axioms out of everything and like, this is what's right and that's what's wrong and fuck those people and like just dismiss, you know, the birthers and the tea party people and all that stuff. And, and I think that's right on some level to dismiss people who are just acting insane. But at the same time, there are people who, you know, changed my diapers and, you know, raised me to have and the ethical system that I do, even if I don't think they're following it now. It's hard to it's hard to look at somebody who makes you angry and that you disagree with and think they're reacting out of fear. Right. I mean, as am I. Yeah, because because my blood pressure is going up <laughs> as I'm thinking about what they think and what they're trying to have happen in the world, what they're on the side of. And so I'm being like. It's just like the you know the the Muslim people the the certain Muslim people who are being provoked by this absurd movie. Oh, um, it's so bad. It's that that like can 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 somebody make like lob something like that at you and and you, I mean to provoke you and you have and you just don't respond. Is that like that's what I want to have happen more and more? But my blood pressure does go up. Like I'm hearing Paul Ryan say his 
cock and bull and and i just get so mad i think like words and ideas like words and actions have to mean something and 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 this makes it have less meaning and so i get so bent out of shape and i don't know i don't know where the balance with all that stuff is and i hear you on your podcast that i'm on now that was weird, the <laughs> i uh have a confession to make i listen to <laughs> um and no one the, admits that, that. that that's that, brave that that balance is tough to strike because there is there is some time where like outrage is appropriate and that not yeah. when your friend says that they stopped eating meat i don't think but <laughs> i do I, but i feel and i've bet that's something i've been questioning lately of like you know i'm very verbose sometimes and my and loud and opinionated and i'm like maybe i need to try to express more tolerant it's not as funny no but i would rather be a positive but it but it's like you know but it's also those fucking pricks <laughs> Paul Ryan, it's a little hard because it's like they're not just grabbing onto a belief system. They're like, oh, I'm a birther and I – or uh, not a birther, but a, a, a creationist. Yeah. It's like they're consciously spewing lies yeah. and deception and altering people's pers- perspective on I things. Agree. And that's something that is infu- – and yeah. even the fucking Dalai Lama says it's okay to get angry yeah. if it's in such a manner. Yeah. Not that I – you know. No, I agree. Sounds and- like I'm making the Dalai Lama my pope and – but <laughs> no, I mean, I think but that guy's a wise dude. Yeah, he says a lot of things I agree. But, I mean, it's like, yeah, you should. we should collectively be upset with that and be like, you got to fucking knock it off. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. And and trying to find that balance and where that is is really, is really tricky because... I mean, yeah, I mean, even the, uh, you know, I mean, even the Democrats do it. It's just I think we hear about it less or it's... Yeah. it's not as ugly, but it's like you know Biden calling Julian Assange a terrorist. It's like he's not a terrorist. No. no, he's threatening this institution that you hold really dear, but is just simply that it's it's just a it's an institution that, like many, may have outlived lived its usefulness. You know, and Julian Assange is just maybe a little recklessly, maybe not holding up the light to it. And yeah, I mean, I think every institution needs that I otherwise agree. we would yeah i mean thank god for daniel ellsberg i mean that whole thing helped stop the which is sad to me a lot of people don't even know who he is and what he did yeah do you know what he I did don't. daniel ellsberg is the pentagon papers i mean he stole oh, yeah the, yeah, he, he's yeah the i mean that, his name i'm not i'm shitty with names i just i he's in almost every documentary i watch so. yeah. <laughs> i mean i have nieces and nephews who i'm like uh you're who yeah <laughs> but like and that i, I was gonna like with your songwriting and whatnot is there because like sometimes when you're creative and you're like all right i'm gonna push it i'm gonna be really honest are there there ever things you've exposed where you're like i can't do this no um (laughs) you sound disappointed about your honesty (laughs) it it, will you know the creative process is so it's not like you have that much control over how it goes yeah you know you're just sort of you just walk up to the plate and try to hit the ball and then whatever happens kind of happens and you have a choice whether or not to put it out or not, I suppose. Um, but at a certain point, like however that little moment goes, usually when I step back from it and I'm, and I look at it and I think that felt honest, then that's just it. You know, that, that that's, yeah, the, that that's the answer. And that I feel like, well, if I don't put that out, then what am I doing? Like, if I'm not going to be on, if I'm not going to let an honest moment, see the light, then what, you know, it just feels like I'd be going down a, a, 
like a, a road that I don't want to go down. And and honestly, I, I, it hasn't really dawned on me that I should hold something back in that in that way. Um, yeah, because there is a reward, and I mean, it just is. It feels good. Like if you can actually say something that you feel like is true, even if you change your mind about it, you know, later, I think that it's it's cathartic in it. And it there's dopamine that gets released, and you know, it's. <laughs> It's good. It's a it's a feedback loop that's good. You know, right? Are there like ro like are there things that you want to explore that you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, and then you just never like it's just this hovering thing off in the distance. You're like, I want to get to this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but most of it is just, can I can I sit can I write about the things that I want to write about in a way that's not corny? And the answer to that question is no. It's there's always an an element of if. To, to whatever degree something is on the nose, which all my stuff tends to be more on the nose than I would like it to be, um, it's it's just a little distasteful. Like it's a little bit corny or it feels a little uncool. And um, so that's my big anxiety about writing in general. And then I just at a certain point, I was like, well, this is cathartic enough. It just feels, you know, some people are just going to bristle at this and not want to hear it, which is, you know, actually the vast majority of, anybody who's ever heard my music doesn't want to hear it again. Like that's just a fact of, <laughs> which is cool with me in the end. It's kind of gotta be, but, um, so yeah, I, I do. There are things I, I, anything that, that I catch in the news or, or, or read in a novel or, or see in a movie that really resonates with me, I have the impulse to be like, I want to write about that. And then I just have to, log that in and then let my subconscious kind of chew all that shit up and then spit it out in the in my voice in a way later down the road yeah because i've had things where i'm like i wrote it and then i'm like this blows mm -hmm. and then like three years down the road i'm like i figured it out yeah <laughs> without even thinking about it yeah i don't know if that no music's your, more... your subconscious i think is working on all that stuff in the background all the time and and it's way smarter than our conscious brains are about all those connections and yeah i, I want to research this more but even carl Jung was saying that he they had a theory of, that there was a even a level under this or above i don't know mm -hmm. the perspective of the subconscious which was almost equating with spiritual and i'm like I'm, which i know nothing about yeah. but i don't know i just wanted to throw that in there i had no point i wasn't <laughs> oh i mean all that i just think we still are we have no fucking idea what our brains are or anything is and i totally agree yeah any neural um, research, like any little findings about all that stuff, like I'm just so fascinated by because I feel like th th there's so much more understanding that we might be able to have about like why we, you know, do the things we do. And um, so, yeah, the, and, and that kind of curiosity we came from growing up Christian to some degree or maybe it's just innate, but and then wanting to nail it down kind of came from leaving Christianity where I felt like I had to really give a good reason why. And then at a certain point I realized that eh, I don't need to, I need a reason for myself, but yeah, I don't need one so much beyond that. Uh, a person, our, our mutual friend, Stephanie Drury wanted me to ask you about a, a date you had one of your first dates with your wife. And uh -huh. I, was it you who didn't, who could drive stick and she couldn't you were in a borrowed truck yep she emailed me to ask you this stephanie uh, jury who i'm having an extramarital affair with yeah in my brain <laughs> there you go because we've never met in the flesh um 
I don't know if um, I guess this this could be the um, the official telling of of that story. So. <clears throat> Ooh. Is this an awkward? St- I, I know nothing about it. So if she if she pimping. I'll, I'll tell it, and then you can decide whether or not you you. Well, you I just didn't want to know if it was making you uncomfortable. No, no, no. It's it's good. Um, so uh, my my then girlfriend, my now wife, um, uh, and I. It's often remembered that it was one of our first dates, but it was actually we had been dating for about a year and a half, and she had just graduated high school. Um, is that right? Yeah. And uh, we were doing an errand date. Uh, it was a Tuesday night, a weeknight, and her parents were still a little a little strict and wanted her to be home by nine uh, for, for whatever reason. So we were going on all these errands, and they were all a bust. Like, you know, we, sh- we were trying to give blood. Uh, it was her, it turned out to be her, like, her monthly visit. And so she was low on iron, so they wouldn't let her give blood. We went to this other store to try to pick something up. They didn't have the thing that they were supposed to have. So, like, we went on all these errands, and it was a bust. So we finally we ended up at this restaurant that we wanted to eat at. And uh, it closed at 8.30. We got there at 8.15. You know, t- the timing, everything's just kind of taut. Like, we're trying to get home in time. And our friends worked at this restaurant that we didn't want to fuck them over by um, sitting down then. So I was just like, all right, fuck it. We're just going to go downtown and blow off your curfew and eat this Mexican food that that we both love so much at this place called Mama's in Seattle. So we, you know, I eat like a retard. Um, that's not <laughs> really what uh, I wanted to when say. When you say re- retard, you're <laughs> abbreviating uh, Paul Ryan. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, I, what I mean to say is I, I ate like the person with no self-control that I am. Oh, um, you mean a retarded person. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, so the, it was great time. We get, we get back to the truck. I open up her door for her, and my stomach just goes, you know, like starts rumbling. And I think, like, okay, well, I'll drop her off at home, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to have some diarrhea. Um, and uh, I didn't men- I didn't mention it, you know, to her. It's just what, what happens. So we get on the freeway. We're all the way downtown, and her and I both live 10, 12 miles up out of town. And... Uh, it's the summertime, so it's still really light out at nine o'clock in Seattle, and traffic is going really slow for some reason. And uh, so I start to realize, well, I, you know, right when I get home, I'm going to have to go, maybe even go right to my house first, and then take her home after. And then traffic's going even slower, and they're closing down lanes of traffic. I realized later, one at a time, until it was just one lane, because they were doing some major construction. And um, so then I realized, ooh, I'm going to have to stop up at the mall exit <laughs> and, you know, maybe use the bathroom at a gas station. And, I'm, you know, you're picturing all the stuff in, in your head. But we're in first gear, you know, clutches in and out, like going slow, slow. And uh, finally I realized, like, ah, this might be a problem. Like, I might really. <laughs> and uh, so this is, you know, I'm 19, I think, still very Christian, but. The, an odd sort of very earnest, very honest kind of Christian dude. And so we are riding along and I say to my girlfriend, hey, uh, babe, <laughs> would you pray with me real quick? And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, is everything okay? And I said, sort of. I said, uh, Jesus, um, I don't know if you really 
tend to this kind of thing, but I'm praying that you would help me to not shit my pants. <laughs> and um, in your in in your name, um, please help me. Amen. And and Anne is looking at me just like, oh geez, like is everything okay? And I was like, uh, it's it's kind of okay. It's kind of not. Like I will see. I think it's gonna be fine. I gotta stop at Northgate up here, and but we're going so slow, and so finally we miraculously we make it to the exit and i'm you know it's an exit only one so the traffic starts moving and i'm riding this guy in front of me just like oh but i noticed that all the 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 gas stations are up around the left like two lights away and that there's a marie calendar's restaurant to the right and i can just cut to it immediately so i'm like saved i'm so excited so but before the marie calendar's there's a round table pizza even at the far end of the the shopping center and so I pull into the spot and I can just picture myself like, you know, opening the door. I'm in the stall, like everything I'm saved. Everything's going to be great. And I was like, babe, okay, I'll be right back. And, uh, I get up to the door and it's locked. And like, we left downtown at nine and it was nine 45 and they had closed at nine 30. So I'm like banging on it, but there's loud heavy metal in the back. And I'm just like, Oh fuck, what am I going to do? And so I look back at her and I look up, it's like, basically a quarter of a mile up at the other end of this big strip mall, the Marie calendars. And I think I'm going to walk up there. I'm, I'm not going to sit down and reapply pressure to my, I mean, like it was the contractions were getting really close together. <laughs> and uh, so I look at her and I say, I'll be right back. And so I start walking and I think this is taking forever. Like I've got to go. And so I start jogging, like lightly jogging and I just started shitting myself <laughs> And and my and Anne said that she, from behind she saw me just sort of like freeze, like go rigid and kind of start waddling, and uh, like shit just coming out, filling up my drawers, like going down the back of my legs, like coming out, you know, on my my high top Converse, and uh, I I I just kind of waddled around the corner out of sight of her, and I pulled down my pants and got half of it off into the bushes, and. Um, <laughs> And then I had to pull my pants back up that were full of shit <laughs> and then like, but you know, buckle up and then kind of like walk out into the, to the parking lot. And she's like, you know, are you, are you okay? And, and I was like, no, I'm not. And so the panic starts to set in. She's like, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, do you want me to call my mom? And I kind of snapped and I was like, no, I don't want you to call your mom. Like, what are you going to say? Dave shit his pants. Like, and she was like, you know, and I said, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just feeling like kind of vulnerable. And <laughs> and uh, so I said, just let me think. And uh, I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to kneel down because I couldn't get in the truck, in the pickup truck that, that we that we were driving because I was covered with shit. And um, so I'm going to kneel down in the bed of the pickup and you're going to roll the window down and I'm going to lean around and teach you how to drive stick and then you're going to drive us home. <laughs> And she was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Like the stress is too much. And I was like, babe, this is the only way that this is going to work. Like you're going to get in the car and I'm going to explain to you how to drive stick. So she learned how to drive stick right then. And I just, you know, was kneeling down in the bed and just leaning around and saying, okay, now put the clutch in and now put it in the gear. And I was like, do all that, that stuff. And uh, at one point on the way home, she was like, could we roll the window up now? And I was like, oh, babe, it must be so cold because it was kind of chilly out. And she was like, oh, no, okay, whatever. And then a few minutes later, she was like, babe, please, can we roll up the window? And I was like, why? And she's like, 
It smells so bad. Fucking Christ. So then I, we went to the, the house that I lived in and I got in the shower and threw away all my clothes and, you know, had her meet me at the, the bathroom door with towels and a garbage bag. And, and then we've been married for 13 years. That is true love. Yeah. I got to, so I, in short, I got to meet a girl I can shit my pants. That's like the test, not the uh, reach over and see if she unlocks the door. Yeah. <laughs> see if she shits, if you can shit your pants. Yeah, I, it, it is baffling to me. She must really have seen something that she, that she liked in me or else. <laughs> it's hard to take that on faith, actually. Especially that when you, it. that's like for that age, that's, you were very young. Yeah. Because usually most people would be 18. like. Yeah, most teenagers would have been like, I, "This guy out." Yeah, that's impressive. She's 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 a pretty pretty rad lady. Love knows no bounds. Yeah. Um, so is that's there the story? Well, I'm glad we can end on that. <laughs> is there uh, websites and things to plug and whatnot? Uh, yeah, um, and you have a fairly new album out, don't you? Yeah, there's an album called Strange Negotiations. Um, DavidBazan.com. B A Z A N. Are you are your records solely independent, or do you with the label? Uh, Barsook Records oh, right. put out Strange Negotiations and Cursor uh, uh, Branches, and uh, my dog likes both. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I uh, am Matt Dwyer, and it was awesome. Dave, David Bazan was great. Uh, if you like the show, please uh, write a review about it on iTunes or tweet about it. You can also follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer. At the old Twitter there, I'm on the Tumblers. I always post about the upcoming shows, and we've got some really great shows coming up, everybody. I'm interviewing John Sinclair this week, who uh, started the White Panthers. He's a rebel revolutionary guy. I'm actually interviewing him tomorrow. Uh, if you'd like to show, donate some money or buy some shit through Amazon. we got the Amazon link there. Uh, that money just goes straight in to me. Uh, not all of it. Uh, if I owned Amazon and got all the money, I would be uh, not doing podcasts. I'd be uh, probably getting drunk in, in France and trying to sleep with women who are far more attractive than me. Oh, I love you, Frenchy ladies. If there's any French listeners out there who are women... Sleep with me. Just fucking do it. I want to sleep with a French woman before I die. The whole accent, the whole thing. Hairy armpits. Cheese breath. All right, everybody. Uh, listen to all the other shows on Feral Audio. My brain's real tired today. You're all real pretty. Power to the people. Thank you.
Fun.com is an artist-friendly podcast collective hosted by castmates.fm. Host your own podcast at castmates.fm today. All of our artists reserve the rights to their materials. Your donations directly support your favorite artists, help pay for their show's production, and keep your favorite shows free. Visit fairlogo.com for other original shows and learn about our community of artists that help make this collective possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This outro features the music of the fancy. We are the fancy.net. the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.